In El Salvador, a war against gangs has been described as a spiritual struggle. The president, Nayib Bekele, says this is a battle with satanic forces. El Salvador is a highly Christian country, but Bekele himself has been targeted over religion. His family is Lebanese. His father had embraced Islam. Bekele styles himself as a believer in Jesus, but not belonging to any one faith. Now, faith and law and his presidency have certainly come together. Amy Fallas is a Salvadoran Costa Rican writer. She's completing her PhD in history at the University of California, Santa Barbara. The war on gangs in El Salvador has been very notable historic issue since the 80s and 90s and has been a constant source of focus for every single Salvadoran administration since the 90s, since the post-war settlement. And so the religious dimension comes in very crucially with how a lot of, I would say, even evangelical organizations and churches have tried to address these issues outside of the Mano dura policies in El Salvador, so the heavy hand, which is essentially securitization, Mm. incarceration. So these are seen as sort of alternative ways of addressing this issue. And now what we're seeing with Bukele is actually something that mirrors that and has gained once again this sort of spiritual dimension as he has specifically referred to his, his new policies in addressing the gang violence or, or gang issues uh, within spiritual terms. Mm. But Bekele's talked about satanic forces, a battle of good and evil. Is this because he identifies that in uh, an overwhelmingly Christian country, that this is going to find fertile ground, that framing it in this way will be popular? Bukele has had a very interesting way of mobilizing religious identity in order to court lots of different interests while also maintaining control. One of the interesting things that we have seen over the past several months, particularly after the establishment of the state of exception since since March, that not only has Bukele used his social media platforms to showcase sort of the evils and and, and using those exact terms of of gangs, but also showing himself in the sort of savior light. And this was part of his presidential platform when he ran for the presidency in 2019 and was part of his platform before when he was mayor of San Salvador as well. And, and Amy, this state of exception that you mentioned, of course, is aimed at tackling this, this gang violence. But you're right to identify the appeal to religion. And his own background is fascinating here as well. Someone for whom religion was used against in his run for the presidency. There was some uh, scepticism and wariness about him, wasn't there? Yes. So this was at the, I would say, center of controversy for Bukele's presidential uh, election, and particularly within the weeks leading up to the election itself. What's interesting about Bukele is he has a very fascinating faith background that is tied to and shaped by his Palestinian roots. So he's this fifth generation Palestinian Salvadoran, descended from Christian migrants who arrived to El Salvador. But his father who at this point is fourth generation, converts to Islam. And so he is raised within this milieu where he's raised Catholic, but also experienced Islamophobia. 
growing up. And so during the election, this comes up again, where there's a lot of speculation as to whether he is a secret Muslim. Well, he had he had played up to this. I, I was reading when he was at school, he sort of half-jokingly or mockingly would refer to himself as the class terrorist and so on. There was an extent that he'd He'd played with this idea, hadn't he? Absolutely. I think he was. he's always been aware of these politics of religious identity. And he has had to navigate a lot of different identities in a Christian majority nation. And one in which is fairly polarized between, I would say, certainly a Catholic hegemony, but an ascendant evangelical Protestant movement that has been on the rise since the late 70s. So that was definitely an aspect of his own upbringing and, yes, being very conscientious of that. And I think, again, use that and mobilize that in very strategic ways when there was this attack, when he was experiencing uh, this pre-election rumors and speculation, was saying, well, actually, I'm a person of faith and we should be respectful, and it's really about conviction. And, and of course, Amy, he, he does talk about faith as being something he doesn't necessarily, while he believes, he doesn't practice any particular religion or belong to anyone. Is that an attempt to appeal more broadly and offset some of this scepticism? I think what Bukele does with mobilizing and forging a multi-faith identity. He doesn't necessarily disavow religious identity altogether, but Mm. just that he does not affiliate exclusively with one community. He's using all of these connections he has to make connections both domestically and internationally to bolster his own legitimacy. And he leverages each identity in different ways depending on the circumstances. And how does his decision to recognise Bitcoin as legal tender, El Salvador becoming the first country in the world to do so, play into this? So I see his embrace of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin as legal tender, this particular policy, as an example of a dynamic whereby Bukele uses Bitcoin, sees Bitcoin as a saviour of sorts uh, for the pervasive financial and political issues facing El Salvador. Now, this is also one of the main rallying issues for civil society that's really contesting Bukele's rule. You have the press, you have human rights activists, you have different grassroots organizations that were all in the streets protesting almost a year ago this sort of overwhelming conviction that Bitcoin will be the sort of savior of El Salvador into the future. Amy, just finally, how popular does he remain? Bukele still enjoys high approval ratings. I I do want to insert an important caveat, though, that he has faced also a lot of pushback and critique, again, from members of the press, social service organizations, even members of the diaspora, which are usually cast as sort of devoted fans of his. But in actuality, he's facing a lot of criticism, particularly around the Bitcoin issue, but also around the state of exception. And a lot of observers, Salvadorans in the diaspora and in the country, have been pointing out this potential since his populist run back in 2019. So it's not a new critique. Um, It hasn't happened just as a result of these policies, but there has been sort of the writing on the wall based on his language that this would be something that would become an issue. 
Amy Fallas, thank you again for giving us your time. Thank you so much. Amy Fallas, Salvadoran, Costa Rican writer, completing her PhD in history at the University of California, Santa Barbara. She joined us from Cairo. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.